This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. 1 Samuel chapter 17 tonight. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, we're going to read some verses. I know this is a very familiar chapter. Uh, when, when, the, when the preacher says 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, you know, everybody, I, I believe, is familiar with what's going on in this chapter. And honestly, there's a lot of different directions we could take it. Uh, but the Lord, Lord uh, showed me this a while back. And let's read in verse number 20. And uh, we'll read a few verses here. It says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up, surely, to defy uh, Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his, da uh, his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is the un this un uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled, Against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left that those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. So here we have one of the greatest stories, uh, the history of mankind. Uh, you, you talk to anybody, whether they go to church or not, they know about the story of David and Goliath. This is a very familiar uh, chapter, a uh, very familiar uh, battle, and a very familiar story. And uh, there's a lot that we could talk about, but tonight I don't really want to talk about the, uh, the battle that's going on. I don't want to talk about David or Goliath. I, I noticed as I study, study this passage out, I noticed that there are men here as the battle is going on, there are, there are men here who have the same opportunity that David had, but they didn't take it. I noticed that there's a battle going on, one of the greatest battles uh, in history, 
And there are men here who have an opportunity to do something about it, to be involved, to get in the game, yet they just stand back and watch. Some of them are fighting, but they're fighting a different battle. They're fighting the wrong battle, and we'll talk about that in a little while. But we notice, as I was reading through this, I couldn't help but notice that these men, they were, if you will, sitting on the sidelines. They weren't in the game. They weren't playing the game. They were watching from the sidelines. We call these sideline Christians. I believe in our churches today throughout America, we have many Christians who are sideline Christians. There are many people who are watching others work, watching others fight from the sidelines. They're watching God do something from a distance. And that's what I notice in this passage. I notice these men, King Saul included, that are watching from the sidelines. These sideline Christians. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 10. We see these truths found in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 10. We'll read a couple verses there. We'll be back in 1 Samuel in just a little while. Matthew chapter 10, look in verse number 38. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples as he's sending them out on a on a mission strip, and he says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Many Christians are scared to take up their cross. He, he, he's, he's commending his disciples here. He's encouraging them as they're going out to this, to this mission strip to take up their cross and to follow him closely. But if we look in our churches today, there are a lot of Christians who are not taking up their cross and following the Lord closely. There are a lot of fringe followers. There are a lot of followers who are, who are following, but they're keeping their distance because they're scared of what they're going to have to give up. James tells us this as well. Turn to the book of James with me real quick. We'll look at a couple of verses here. James illustrates uh, the, the, the sideline Christian versus the active Christian here. Look in verse number 22 of James chapter 1. He says, but, uh, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful, forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So here we have the active Christian. The active Christian, the, per, the, the Christian who's in the game, he hears the word preached, he reads God's word, and he does what he hears. He wants to be involved. He does something about what God is doing. And then there's the sideline Christian who hears the word, whether that's preached or whether they're reading the Bible, and they do nothing about it. They're deceiving themselves, and they're just watching from the sidelines. Man, this, this thought intrigued me as I, as I began to just study it out. Let's go back to, to 1 Samuel, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and that's where we'll spend the rest of our time. The title of this message, and I'll explain what this is, the title of this message tonight is D-N-P. D-N-P. Some of you may know what that stands for, but for those of you who do not, let me explain it to you, Mr. Hickman. I found in, in, in the move, he knows where I'm going here, 
In, in our move, I, I, I found this piece of paper, and uh, this, is a, this is a stat sheet. For those of you that don't know, I had the opportunity to play college basketball for four years at Crown College. Mr. Hickman was my coach. And uh, I can relate to both uh, the, the bench warmer and the player. Am I right, Brett? Some of you can relate as well. I know what it's like to sit on the bench, to not be able to be in the game and make a difference. I know what it's like to sit there and, and wish, man, I wish I could get out there and do something about losing. By the way, we lost this game. Guess I should have got more playing time. But I know what it's like to sit there and think, man, you know, I, I get up every morning with these guys and I work out and, and, and I practice with them and, and I spent all the same money as they did. I want to play. I want to get in there and do something about it. And on my stat sheet here, I didn't have to look far for this. At the end of the stat, you know, th these th they have, for those of you that aren't familiar with it, there's how many points you scored, how many rebounds you got, Assists, steals, you know, your productivity. There's a lot of things on here. But if you didn't do anything besides your name, it says D-N-P. Under the minutes played, D-N-P. That means did not play. It means you didn't see the floor, right? It means, that means you, you, uh, you didn't get in the game. Today was not your day, right? You couldn't affect the game physically in any way. And I got to thinking about this passage of Scripture and, and these men that, that were sitting on the sidelines, that were watching this go on, and I can, imagine, I can imagine what they're thinking after David defeated Goliath. Man, that could have been me. But I know what it's like to, to sit on the bench, but I remember, I remember the day that I got in the game. It was my... Uh, I, I played a little bit before this, but my first start was my second semester of my junior year, all right? And, and Coach Hickman, uh, he would always, as we were warming up for the game, he would go to the locker room, and he would write on the, on the whiteboard there, and he would have, you know, uh, the strategy for the games and, and a bunch of different stuff. But in the right, upper right corner, he, he always had the starting five. He always wrote the starting five, their last name up there. So, you know, we had, uh, we had Humphrey and Loney and Scoggins, and Hickman, only because he was the coach's son, <laughs> jerk, Farmer, right, all these guys that, 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 they were the starters, well, before this game, there was one of the starters that, that wasn't able to play this semester, one of the five starters, he was out, so all of us bench guys, you know, the, the talk is, well, who's going to get that position? Who's going to get to start? Who's, whose name is going to be on the board? And we were all talking, you know, well, he, he, he probably will. You know, it depends on who we're playing and, and, you know, it depends on how you're practicing that week. And so that was the talk amongst the bench warmers, right? If you were a starter, you didn't talk about it. And so here comes the game, and we go up. We make our way up to the locker room, and we walk in the room there, and there it is. There's the starters. Humphrey, Hickman, Scoggins, Farmer, and there it was, Brown. Woo! Woo! 
Now listen, I, I, I was a college basketball player. So what I, what I felt like doing on the inside and what I did, how I acted, was different, right? I, I pretended like I didn't even see it. I just walked in, sat down in my spot, and I could feel the other bench guys looking at me. Like, it's you, you got it. Man, the excitement that was inside of me. Finally got to make a difference. Finally got to do something about what was going on. I finally got to get out there and work and play and get in the game. But I learned some lessons sitting on the bench. You know, sitting on the bench is a safe place to be, right? You don't get hurt on the bench. Never once did I get an injury sitting on the bench, okay? It's a safe place to be. So another lesson that I learned sitting on the bench is when you lose, it doesn't hurt as bad. When you lose, it doesn't hurt as bad. And you know, nobody likes to lose, but this game we lost, I didn't play. I mean, yeah, I'm part of the team. You know, I put some things into it, but, but I didn't have any say-so in this game. Didn't hurt as bad. Winning, winning wasn't as victorious on the bench as it was on the floor. These are some lessons that I learned on the bench, some lessons that I learned watching the game. And tonight, for just a few minutes, I want to look in this passage of Scripture, back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I want to look, look at what happens from the sideline. Because when I look at churches, when I look at youth groups, we see there are people that are in the game, there are people that are doing something for God, but then there are those who are sitting on the sideline, they're sitting on the bench watching everyone else do something. And I'm afraid that one day when we stand before God, and he's not going to give us a stat sheet and, 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 you know, with everything that we've done, but, uh, but just by way of illustration tonight, I, I'm afraid that when some of us stand before God and we get our stat sheet, if you will, some of us, it will say D and P. Now, don't get me wrong, it has nothing to do with your salvation, right? You're, you're a Christian, you're on your way to heaven. But what are you doing for God? Are you watching things go on? You know, I scroll through Twitter sometimes, and, and I follow a lot of pastors and, and different preachers and evangelists, and I see what God is doing, and sometimes I think, man, I want, I want to do that. Well, they serve the same God that we serve. You know, sometimes you see people here and you see God answering their prayers and you see God working in their life. And you think, man, I want, I want that. Well, you can have it. All you got to do is get in the game. Let's look at some things that happen from the sideline for these men. Number one, we focus on our failures instead of God's strength. Look at verse number 24. <clears throat> verse number 24 says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. From the sideline, these men, they saw their failures instead of God's strength. Instead of looking at how big God was, they saw how little they are. And by the way, we do have failures, and we must realize our failures. We must realize how small we are, but that ought not be the focus of our life. The focus ought to be not how uh, weak I am, because we would never get anything done, but how big and strong God is. And these men, they focused on the man. The Bible says when they saw the man, when they saw the giant, they ran and they fled. We see their lack of vision. We see their lack of vision. We know the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. They had no vision. 
They had no vision from God. Everything that they saw was inward. They looked, they looked inward instead of upward. They had no vision. I think of when God asked, when, when, when God was going to destroy his people, when God was going to, uh, to send judgment to his people, and Moses prayed to God and asked God not to, I think, I think of all kinds of stories throughout the Bible where, where men saw things, where men could, could see past what was right in front of them. These men of Israel in this battle, they couldn't see uh, past what was right in front of them. They, get, they couldn't get past Goliath. They couldn't get past the giant. All they could see was, was how small they were compared to the giant. Fear caused them to see Goliath and not God. I think Goliath, Goliath is big, right? We all, face, we all face Goliaths in our life, but compared to God, he's nothing. Compared to God, he's small. They ran away instead of running towards the fight. Don't be a retreating Christian. Don't be a Christian that runs away from the fight. So many times, so many times we see Christians, when they're faced with something, when they're faced with a battle like this, turn and run the opposite direction. We see their lack of vision. We see their lack of strength. David realized this truth, but in verse 37 he says, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he would deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. So David also realized his failure, but he saw God's strength prevail over his failure. All the other men were just as weak as David, but their view of God was so much smaller. Their view of God was so small. We must understand our weakness, but this ought not to be our focus. Number two, Number two, from the sideline, we focus on our failures instead of God's strength, but we also, uh, we leave the work for someone else to do instead of stepping up ourselves. Look at verse number 25. Look at verse number, number 25, it says, And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And as I read that, I thought to myself, these men are telling everyone else this. And, and I could just imagine as they tell David this, and David's thinking, well, why don't you do it? Oh, no, not me. No, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you what you'll get if you do it. But I'm not going to be the one to step up and do it. You see, from the sidelines, we leave all the work for someone else to do instead of stepping up and doing something for ourselves. From the sidelines, we can watch other people do it. We hear of things that need to be done, but we rely on others. We're satisfied with where we are as a Christian. We don't take it personally. We don't take it personally. I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, The walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. As the word came to Nehemiah about Jerusalem, Nehemiah didn't say, eh, somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else, will, somebody else will handle that. That breaks my heart to hear, but I'm going to leave that for somebody else to do. No, Nehemiah took it personally. Nehemiah says something's got to be done about it, and I'm going to be the one to do it. In verse number four, he says, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. He said, the, the, there's a work that needs to be done. These walls need to be rebuilt, and I'm going to be the one to do it. And that's the type of Christians that we need in this church. 
That's the type of people that we need in this church, in our youth group. That's the type of teenagers that we need. That something's got to be done, and I'm going to be the one to do it. And these men in Israel, they're looking at Goliath. Somebody needs to go out there and kill him. Why don't you do it? Well, I'm not doing it. They didn't take it personally. It wasn't personal to them. When we hear of the lost, they're in need of salvation. Do we take it personally? When there's greater hickory mission, doors to be knocked, visits to be made, children that need to ride a bus, do we take it upon ourselves to do something or do we just leave that for, for the ones who are doing it already? Take it personally. When Moses needed help lifting up his arms for the battle, Aaron and Hur took it personally. When Jesus was looking for men to follow him, the disciples took it personally. When the world needed a savior, I think of Paul, how personal he took it. I think of other men who, who when they heard about the law, when they hear about lost souls, they just weep and they, they want to do something about it. These are men and women that are in the game. These are men and women that are in the fight. These are active Christians. Don't weigh the consequences. I think about the three Hebrew children. As they're standing there and, and the temptation to bow down before King Nebuchadnezzar is before them, they didn't weigh the consequences before they stood up for God. They just stood up for God. I think a lot of times as Christians, we, we, we like to see how it's going to play out before we step in and do something. We like to know what the results are going to be before we just step in and do something. That's not the way God works. That's not, uh, that, that's not how the Christian life works. We are to step out and do something for God and let God take care of everything else. Let God take care of the results. Number three, Number three, as we're sitting on the sideline, we allow trivial things to anger us instead of having a righteous anger. Notice verse 28. The Bible says, And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thy heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. We allow trivial things to anger us from the sideline. If Eliab was in the battle fighting, he would not have had time to be angry at David for something so small. He, would, he wouldn't have had the, the time or the energy to, to be angry at his younger brother for just being curious. But instead, he allowed something so small, this trivial thing, to become such a, a such larger issue. Pettiness is a cancer in our churches. Pettiness. And I, I find it that it's always the people that aren't in the fight that are the most petty. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but it's the people that aren't doing anything that are the most critical. Right? Well, that choir, that was rough this morning. You know? Or what's wrong with our bus routes? Why aren't we bringing in the numbers that we used to bring in? Small things. Small things become such, such larger things. See, some Christians, they're fighting the wrong battle. I think about the disciples. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest? The disciples oftentimes 
got off track and then they started looking at little things that didn't matter at the end of the day. These small things, these trivial things, we can become angry about and we can get worked up about them. Too many sideline Christians are swayed by their emotions. Swayed by their emotions. So many Christians are fighting the wrong battle, the battle of self-righteousness, the battle of recognition, the battle of comfort. There's a bigger picture. There's something greater to fight for. There, there's, something, there's something much bigger than ourselves going on all around us. Righteous anger. David comes out and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Shouldn't somebody be stepping out and fighting Goliath, this giant? Shouldn't somebody be doing something about, about what's going on here? We're all pointing our fingers at one another, and Eliab's mad at me for coming down here, but no one's doing anything. No one's standing up for God. No one's stepping out and fighting. He was angry, but it was a righteous anger. I think us Christians, we ought to get angry a little more. And I'm preaching to myself there. Sometimes I, I, I let things slide by or let things go on around me that shouldn't go on. We need Christians who are going who, who to get a righteous anger who are going to get angry about the things that God is angry at. That's what righteous anger is. The sin, wickedness, blasphemy going on all around us. That ought to make us mad. That ought to make us angry. Not the things, not the little petty things that go on in the church. Not the things that, that are so small, but we make them so much bigger. David's anger was focused on God, and that anger produced great victory. Number four. Number four, from the sideline, we criticize instead of encourage. And you can insert here Brother Odom's message this morning. We criticize instead of encourage. Look at verse 33. The Bible says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. From the sideline, we're so skeptical. We're so critical from the sideline. When we're not doing something, it's so much easier to, to pick out everyone else's flaws. Man, I remember sitting on the bench in those basketball games, and it was so easy. It was so easy to, to say what everybody was doing wrong. It was so easy. Why'd you make that pass? That was dumb. Why would you shoot that shot? That was a dumb shot. You know, it's easy to be critical when you're on the bench, when you're watching things go on. It's easy to be critical whenever you're not the one out there doing it. Right? From the sideline, we criticize instead of encourage. Have a critical spirit. Don't criticize someone else for doing something you're unwilling to do yourself. Man, we can, we can all fall into that trap. I'm not doing it, just like, just like this man that said, well, here's what's going to happen if you, if, you, if you defeat Goliath. I'm not doing it. King Saul, here, here, David, uh, let, me, let me give you my armor. Let me show you how to do this. I'm not going to do it myself, but let me show you how to do it. Don't, be, don't have a critical spirit. Don't have a critical spirit. Encourage. Have an encouraging spirit. Man, what a message this morning. That helped me. That helped me a lot. You can get in the game, by the way, by being an encourager. That's, that's one way you can be in the game. You, you don't have to, uh, from the sideline, it's hard to encourage, but in the game, you can encourage people. You can get in there, in the trenches with them, and encourage them, strengthen them, 
an encouraging text. I, I, I so often, so often I, uh, you know, the Lord will bring somebody to mind and I'll, I'll, I'll start to send a text or I'll start to write or start to say something and I don't. Just like he said this morning, that's the Lord. If God puts someone on your heart or on your mind, that's God doing it. Go ahead and, go ahead and be an encouragement. Go ahead, and, go ahead and encourage someone. Then my last point. From the sidelines, on the bench, we focus on our failures instead of God's strength. We leave the work for someone else to do instead of stepping up ourselves. We allow trivial things to anger us. Instead of having a righteous anger, we criticize instead of encourage. And then the last point, we can still get in the game. Look at verse number 52. Verse number 52. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shiram, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. We can still get into the game. We can still get in the game tonight. I don't know where you are in your Christian life. I don't know what, uh, you know, what level you're on. Uh, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, it's one thing to be in a restaurant and to see a plate, a big old steak and mashed potatoes go by, and to look at it and think, man, I wish I had that. It's another thing to order it and it be brought to your table. Right? And, and we can look out and we can see, we can see God blessing other people and answering everyone else's prayers. We can, we can look at God working all around us, or we can get in and do it ourselves. As far as I'm concerned, we're all still here tonight. That means God still has a work to be done. We're all here tonight. That means God's still moving. That means God's not finished with you. That means you can still get into the game. See, the difference, the difference in our Christian life and my college basketball career is our names are all on the board tonight. Your name's there. Now it's up to you to get in the game. Now it's up to you to step up and do something. Now, now it's up to you to, to, to work at it, to step off the bench, get off the sidelines, get in the game, get your hands dirty, do something for God. Do something for God. Teenagers, we don't need any more sideline teenagers. We don't. We, we, we need some teenagers who are going to step up and get in the game and do something for God. We, we need some, some adults tonight who are going to step up, stand up, and do something for God. And, and we can fall into this trap of, well, I already do this and this and this. I already do these things. Do something else. Find, find another avenue to get involved in. Serve God where you are. Serve God with the time that you have. And tonight, your name's on the board. All of our names are there. You're in the starting lineup. The game's going on. We don't know how much longer we have on this earth, but while we're here, let's get in the game. Let's get off the sideline. Let's serve God. Let's do something for the Lord while we're here. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link 
provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.